Hey everyone, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Navigating No Contact with Toxic Parents. I'm your host, Tracy Principe. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm super excited about our guest today. And that is Trauma Queen Christy on Instagram. You may be following her if you are not. Uh, feel free to check her out, Trauma Queen Christy on Instagram. She is a licensed therapist, a writer, advocate, ally, survivor, and grit, grace, and psychology. She is based in Oregon. So I'm excited to have her. We are going to just dive right in. We're going to talk today about those very beginning steps of, you know, trying to go no contact where, you know, you get to this place where something just hits and, 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 and it's like, you know, you need to pull back from your parent or parents. Um, and that's, and that's where it's get, it, it gets, the waters get really murky. Right. And, and so that's what we're going to dive in today. Everything that kind of goes along with, with those beginning feelings of knowing it's something that you need to do, but how, how do we navigate that and why it's so hard? Um, so this is going to be a really great conversation and Christy, thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, so yeah, so, so let's go ahead and just dive into that topic and share with us, um, you know, some of those very beginning steps of, um, and, and, and just kind of that, that process and, and why it's so hard to initiate that. Hi, Tracy, and thank you so much for having me. Um, it's great to yeah. be here. So, you know, uh, I always kind of start this conversation. Like, I have, um, my mother passed away two years ago, but even before mm -hmm. that, since I was 17 years old, I had no contact with her. And yeah. then um, I had no contact with my father um, about 11 years ago when my twins were born. Mm -hmm. uh, I have, that made, I had to make that decision at that time. What was really funny about that was, that I kind of did this this codependent dance and enabling hero role in the family. And it was like when my own kids were born, something mm. clicked in me and it was like, yeah. nope, it's done. It's done yeah. now. So I'm definitely no stranger to the to the note. And I haven't had contact with him since. So um yeah, uh a little bit, you know, my own story just in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. I um grew up kind of in chaos i always say my my history could be a, a bad hbo miniseries or when i say bad i mean like just kind of messed up scary hbo miniseries um and um i was in the system in foster care uh living in the 16 with the help of um ward of the court um and my mom was my mom was still in my life at that point she was an alcoholic um but i would still go see her and kind of do the thing that kids do when their parents use or drink and try to dissociate and check out um, yeah and so it was Christmas of my senior year of high school and um, basically she had started drinking and some people that I had a foster family that I'd lived with had invited me over that evening and for me that was like yes I'm gonna go I'm gonna get out of here yeah. and um, I told her I was going and then she had what I would call an episode I'm sure a lot of um, especially those who have addicted parents are uh, familiar with the episodes, the outbursts. Um, and uh, basically it was the first time in my life I really 
I had been going to therapy at that point mm-hmm. for you know several years already, and I really um, I said no to her because she had this episode and was basically saying that she was gonna kill herself if I didn't. Mm-hmm. If I left, you know, and I was seventeen, yeah. I was just a child, you know, and yeah. um, it was so cold. It was Christmas night, and these people were gonna come and get me, and I remember. I sat outside and I'm waiting for them and kind of hid from her while she listening to her like scream, you know, that she was going to kill herself and that it was going to be my fault and, but she loves me and she needs me and come back and just kind of, and I mean, it was like, I felt like there was a fiery thread pulling me to her. I remember it was like my head, I was sitting outside in like the cold Nebraska winter feeling like mm. I was on right wow yeah but it was the first time I I didn't go I didn't go to her wow and um I ended up the people came and got me I ended up um getting calling someone else getting a ride back to where I lived and by the time I got back she was passed out and Mm -hmm. I I wrote her a note and I was 17 years old so these are this is the crazy thing I don't I'm resiliency is is a mystery in some ways, but yeah, I, um, I wrote her a note and I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I feel like I have mm-hmm. to choose your me. I'm going to choose me. Wow. And then, and so that was it. That was kind of when she had tried to contact me a few times throughout the years after that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I found out she was in jail and I had my own journey to go through of healing and my own right. process. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was when I, um, I ended that relationship and kind of, and she never recovered, you know, mm. she ended up passing away a couple of years ago from complications from breast cancer. And the reason she had the complications was because she had to get clean for surgery, I guess. And, mm. for treatment. Yeah. and she got clean for treatment, but she was just so frail after so many years of using. So, mm. yeah. um, so yeah, cutting off your mother in that way at age 16 when and when every or 17 sorry yeah when everything she was doing was basically um all the cliche things we talk about to keep me kind right. of caught in that cycle in that um, cycle yeah it was really really hard <laughs> really right. hard wow yeah. wow yeah tremendous so, amount of courage yeah I mean, I'm so grateful now because I think that was a pivotal moment. And then, you know, and then my dad, uh, later once my kids were born, which mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we talked about this before. Uh, we, we do have an innate need. I mean, we're born with a basic need to be close to our, our parents or our caregivers. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I think cause my mom had already been cut off and my dad mm-hmm. was better at, uh, he had different issues. Yeah, um, but he, you know, really severe abusive issues. But he yeah. um, was better at kind of hiding those, you know. Mm. So it was easier to kind of keep around for a while. And I just thought, I don't want to lose contact with both my parents. Like, where does that leave me? You know, right. that's, you know, because yeah. I'm gonna have no. Where's my connection? Nobody. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, I after I had my own kids and and. It, you know, it was building for for a long time, and and mm-hmm. he was there. And that's a long story, but I that's too long to get into in this podcast. But basically, what what made me realize that was that he was actually dangerous, mm. this dangerous human. And I was twenty nine, wow. but you know, I had these newborn babies that yeah. were my 
responsibility now. And, you know, and that, that realization that I would never expose them to anything harmful was the thing that finally made me cut him off. And he made it more difficult for me, um, over the years for sure. Did Mm. the kind of classic thing of, um, I don't know, I'm sure many of you who have had to go no contact or have had to deal with this, you know, it's, it's the, it's the the blame shifting and the projection and kind of calling everyone that would listen and telling them lies and about you because you've exposed them in essence by cutting them out of your life. Right. That's right. So, yeah. So the kind of like, you know, we call the smear campaign of, you know, Mm -hmm. look at all the terrible things you're doing and yeah, tell everybody. And the strange thing is, is maybe you can touch on this is that, it you know across the board it seems like all these people friends extended family community members they all side with that person and they never ask you how you felt or what happened was that true for you yeah i mean it was true to some extent you know Mm -hmm. i will say like my family i mean generational trauma runs pretty deep and so i think that was pretty like normal behavior for people to to turn on each other and and yeah you know, and be estranged and and so okay. um, you know I had a couple of family members that that questioned it but also um, narcissists which I would say like my father particularly he's got some other things but he definitely has some narcissistic tendencies at the least um, mm-hmm. they're really they're really good at getting people on their side right yeah so, yeah. And I think that can be like part of the temptation to end the no contact. That's part of the manipulation, right? Right. Their campaign or or kind of gathering the troops against you. Um, It's it's very hard to make your brain, um, or it's very hard to get to the place where you accept that you can't control what people think of you and you know that it's false, but to not try to change it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it feels, you know, it, there's just it, 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 the, the, it feels, you know, like so incomprehensible of like this person going on this crusade and, and all, and, and then that's when that rejection and abandonment can really set in. Like, wow, I'm, I'm really alone in all this. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're, nobody you're, has my back. Right. And and then they become victimized. You know, you're yeah. the person who victimized you, you know, yeah. and is claiming to be your victim. And, and that's a really hard thing to reconcile. Mm. For yes. sure. For sure. Yeah. But yeah. for me, I think having having my my own kids, there was mm-hmm. something really amazing that happened. Um, and I'm so grateful for this. Mm. In some ways it was hard because it, it felt it made it easier for me to accept the no contact and to cut off that relationship because I also, mm-hmm. um, I felt the love that I had for my own children when they were born and I mm-hmm. could never, I could never, I can't imagine like doing a smear campaign on my children, right? Mm-hmm. I could, I could never betray them and hurt them in the ways that my parents did. And so for, yeah. that was like a light bulb yeah. moment. You know, and so even after that, knowing and understanding that love and that that really that child parent relationship in a way that I think is healthy that I have with my own kids, 
mm-hmm. it, it gave me so much insight and into the ways that the relationships with my parents it wasn't healthy and it was just glaring right yeah wow yeah Mm. yeah and that is um and that's true for a lot of people that seem to you know if you want to call it that mama bear instinct kind of comes out and that's when it all no contact becomes easier because you had your own children and, and, and it's some kind of realization, you know, that comes over you and you're able to, to say this, you know, I see this clearly, right? Getting that clarity. Yeah. 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 And, you, and, and you have that kind of moment. Because um, that's another tough thing for people to, when you're in it, you know, when you're in it, you can't see, right? Because it's it just seemed like, well, maybe this was, just the way things are normal or right well and gaslighting too right yeah really believe you know i mean there were things that that i know were said that once i started calling my parents out on stuff when i was probably like early teens i was never i was never the kid to groom i'll tell you that much like i was way too uh um you know thank goodness i was way too uh assertive and I, I started, it was really hard though. It wasn't easy. I definitely suffered a lot for it, but, um, you know, once I started calling that out and, and the smear campaign happened or they'd say things, especially when you're a child and you really have no power. Um, I just remember really being confused. I mean, things that I never did or never happened, but then I was like, maybe they did, you know, you, you have those moments of when you're being, you're being gaslighted and you're told, you know, that you're bad or these things happen or, or yeah. insane things are being made up about you, you yeah. know, and you're really in the middle of it. And, um, it's hard. It's, that's, it's really hard to decipher what's real. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's that point where even with all of that, you know, like, did you, at what point did you know that your mom was an addict or alcoholic and there was no, you know, like there's no getting out of that without help. Right. Right. But that's, I think I always knew, I mean, I had some kind of, I mean, I've, I studied resiliency a lot in grad school. Cause I'm like, why did I always kind of, from the time I was little, I didn't know anything different, but I always knew that things weren't right. You know, yeah. and yeah, um, and so I always knew, you know, my mom was an alcoholic and my dad was abusive, and there were all these issues. And my mom was not just an alcoholic; she was an addict in a lot of ways. But um, I, it's it's that point where you, the codependency, we're when we grow up in these codependent homes and these relationships, like mm-hmm. literally, the biggest betrayal is is calling someone out on on anything, mm-hmm. you know, and. Yeah. I mean, I remember I had a cousin, this is kind of a side trail, but who gave a child up or wanted to give a baby up for adoption, got pregnant as a teenager. And it was like the family just thought that was appalling. Mm. It was awful, you know, and it was like, but allowing them to grow up, you know, and be unprovided for and to continue the cycle, like, that's what you do because that's your blood, right? Right, Right. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and so the the thinking, there's a lot of thinking errors, but, you know, I think for me, it it was um, when you're parentified, you're codependent, you feel so responsible for your parents and um, overcoming that and that guilt Mm. that 
I feel like I think I'm to a point now where I, I don't take responsibility for those things. You know, I've done a lot of work and I've had a lot of years, but as a yeah. kid, that, that was really hard. And I think yeah. you have to get to that point where you realize it. I don't know if I ever, especially for my mother, you know, until she passed away, obviously, but it's like, you always hope that someone will make the choices for themselves or whatever, right. but you quit taking responsibility for that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, because there's, maybe we could talk about that hope that, um, is where you're, you're, you're really almost like a fantasy of maybe they'll change. Right. And, or maybe right. they do have a glimmer. They say something and it looks like change, but of course it is, it is always short lived, maybe a week, maybe a month, but and then that's where people get really stuck of, well, it, it seemed like they did this thing, um, but then they went back to their, you know, their old behavior. And then they mm -hmm. kind of get in that fantasy of really having hope. Right. And, and, and we hold on to that, the potential, yeah, of it, you know, potential. whether that's in the family relationships or with parents or, I mean, I see, you know, so many people who have that same, that especially when you're, you're, you know, an adult child of an addict or alcoholic, whatever. Yeah. And then they continue that in their romantic relationships um, that's right or abusive partners and you know and I feel like it's like I never got my parents to love me you know but but we have these this abandonment wound and this unworthiness wound but like if I can you know but this person if they love me maybe I think there's on a subconscious level it'll make up yeah. you know it's like yeah. I finally earned the love I finally was enough I finally was good enough Mm. For them to, for someone to choose me, you know, yeah. that's kind of the crux, the crux of the thing, and it's, um, you know, and so yeah. I, I think that for us, as we are um, survivors and we're on our own healing journey, right? That mm -hmm. that realizing that what choosing ourselves actually means, right? Like, right? Yeah, so, that's really hard to do when oh you, gosh. yeah. Yeah. How do you, you know? Yeah. And that is it. Like I'm going to choose myself going no contact is like the biggest, probably the first step of I'm going to choose myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Even though this feels terrible and the guilt is overwhelming and, and this feels, you know, or maybe it, sometimes people say, yeah, it felt really good, but then it kind of, you know, then they realized, uh, no, this doesn't feel good. All the guilt comes up. Right. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, like how, you know, okay, I chose myself, now what? You know what? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I feel like crap and I'm alone. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, and that's such an oversimplification, but it's kind of the reality of, of that of that process. I think that we have our own withdrawal yeah. too, because we become addicted to the dance and the cycle as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's where people feel this, this um, misplaced guilt, this tremendous amount of guilt or, you know, oh my gosh, I, I, I did this horrible thing mm -hmm. of, right. you know, putting myself out of harm's way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very hard. And like I said that when we were talking before that, you know, there's a cognitive dissonance too, because, yeah. you know, it's like you did something for yourself, but it feels, 
innately kind of wrong, you know, based on a, the fact, like I go back to the basic needs of wanting, it's so natural to want, you know, your parents to love you, of course, and and to want to have a relationship, but B also, um, because you're being, you're being told that it was wrong and you're dealing with a lot of consequences, even though it's like the thing that feels wrong, you know, this is right. It's still the right thing. And that's very confusing. (laughs) Very. Yeah. Really confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I think too, when people do that and then other family is again, like, Oh, well you should just forgive and move on. And that's the only mother you have or whatever. And then society too, kind of even just well-meaning friends or acquaintances will not usually have something supportive to say. Mm-hmm. And so then the person is like, oh, wow, I, you know, nobody, everybody's saying kind of like, oh, forgive and forget or move on, or you should try to work that out. You only right. have one parent. And then they begin to question themselves again. Did I make the right decision? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really easy. Well, I mean, if it's coming from your family, family member like they likely grew up in the same kind of codependent system and it's like well that's your dad and you can't spend your whole life being angry and it's like actually that is correct that spending your whole life being angry does become toxic to you so but you don't you know I always say this forgiveness doesn't require reconnection Mm -hmm. like working on the anger working on the trauma working on yourself it doesn't, you don't need that other person in the equation to do that work, you know? And, right. and so I think there's this misconception of like, you're, you're holding on to this, this grudge, this anger that, you know, whatever. And it's like, nah, I don't really think that, that that always is the case. I think that ideally you do, you do some work and you don't hold on to that. Right. But right. yeah. Yeah. People, yeah. Like that's, those feelings are valid, right? Anger is valid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of that is really is a really valid um, feeling to have, um, you know, in that process. And and then too, forgiveness can't be forced, or it's not right. True forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, and then I think sometimes people, you know, it's hard when you've lived with a certain level of trauma or abuse mm-hmm. or addiction or dysfunction or just toxic family systems um you know it's it's a very you have a very different perspective like right those of us raised on a survive on survival see things differently than those of us those raised on love and i yeah. think some mm-hmm. people are genuinely well-meaning because they were raised on love and they were raised mm-hmm. in a family that was healthy so they don't, yeah. you know, when they say things to us, like, you know, well, that's your only mom or that's your, you know, like, are you going to, it's, it's based on their experience. We see the world as we are, not as it is. Right. You know, so it's, it is genuinely well-meaning and they can't fathom that because they can't fathom all of the other things that came before it as well. And I think, you know, having some grace and understanding of, of that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I go back to the self-betrayal piece. Mm. Um, it's it's really, um, 
other people's opinions or thoughts, even well-meaning ones, can uh, can influence us, you know, yeah. in ways sometimes where I think doing the work and learning yourself and the reasons why you're doing things and, and moving forward. So when those moments come, you don't question yourself. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Or maybe you question, but you don't, you're able to bring it back. Right. Right. Yeah. There's that point where you, you no longer internalize it. Right. Right. And that's, <laughs> that takes some work, <laughs> but that is, that's really the freedom of it. You know, of, wow, I, I'm not internalizing all these messages or you know and and yeah and that feels good um and that really takes working through all of those there's so many layers yeah there yeah are so many layers and the ego man this past year the ego work has been kind of on at the forefront of my professional and personal life you know and and realizing that we don't actually have to get into these conversations with everyone and that our desire right. to or to prove it or to fight it is a lot of times right. the, it's that ego piece of it. Like, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And, 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 and yeah, so, so, and that is also another piece is like over explaining, you know, is, mm-hmm. is we feel like we have to do that or, um, you know, no matter who it's with, or, but we, we don't really have to do that. Right. And, yeah. and getting to that place of not feeling the need to over explain. Right. But that's yeah. very uncomfortable too, especially when you're a people pleaser and you're codependent right. and you struggle with wanting people to accept and like and understand you. Yeah. And so that's for me learning to say, I appreciate your feedback and, and nothing else yeah. has been one one of the most useful tools but um you know because but it's sometimes it's hard because it's like well now is that person gonna is that person gonna reject me because I you know maybe they feel rejected by me and I you know and you kind of get into the spin and that's you know, good yeah yeah so. um yeah or also another one that maybe we can touch on that people will find themselves if they want to kind of explain why they're going no contact or breaking the relationship because they you know it's like um well my parents seem to not know why i'm doing it right well that's convenient for them to not understand what they did wrong they're like i don't know what i did wrong all that stuff and so the need to like explain what they did wrong but then the reaction is never good right Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and that's really hard for people to actually speak up for the first time and say, hey, you know, I'm going no contact because this can't continue or whatever. Um, it takes it's it takes so much out of there. And then they're like, yeah, I had a panic attack. I had all this anxiety and my heart was beating so fast and all, you know, all these things were happening um, in the process of, of trying to explain to their parents if they chose, you know, if they choose that route. Um, of, you know, explaining why they're going no contact. Do you want to, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and it's really hard too, because if people are questioning you, I mean, if, if mm-hmm. someone outside of the situation is questioning you, 
then they likely already have heard another side of the situation or they um you know they haven't they haven't sat in your your seat or walked in your shoes and they they don't have that experience and so like i always you know um i used to believe i used to have this thought that uh like you can sit down with someone and just have this like deep you know heart-to-heart conversation and hash everything Mm. out everybody should walk away and you know like that's good I've come to realize as an adult that not everybody actually is capable of doing that and right um, and also like it's not always um I don't want to use the word appropriate but it's not always useful you know I think sometimes it just can add fuel to the fire that's right yeah you know we feel like we need to explain it and and um you know, and unfortunately not everyone's always well-intentioned and, and so, right. you know, kind of learning to um, be protective or whatever. But I also think that when you choose to go no contact, when you choose to cut off a relationship mm-hmm. with a, a parent or someone else close to you in your life, like that's not an, it's like a gaping wound for a while anyway. Right. Right. It's not yeah. an easy decision. It's not something that, you know, I mean, it's not something that you ever are like, I feel great about that. That was really happening. Right. I mean, I think at some point, you know, especially if you do the, some of the work and you do the healing, you mm-hmm. get to a place where you're like, I know that I, that was the right decision for me. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, I, I can't take responsibility for how people treated me when I was younger or how people respond to it, but I can take responsibility for how I choose to live my life and my actions. So I think that sometimes in those situations where um, I think I always just try to look at people's intentions and what I know about them. And of course I'm a mm-hmm. therapist. I assess all these things, but what I <laughs> yeah. know about them and, and their history and, and like right. if I were them and what, what lens are they viewing this through? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really good information for all of us, you know, but yeah, I also think, um, learning this is a hard one that we don't owe anyone an explanation for anything mm. i mean you know, you know and i think really something really personal and intimate not close and so someone is not close, but, um, you know i think just realizing like you know, I can do this in love and with grace, but I can also basically kind of say, you know, well, this is my decision, you know, um, based on, you know, my experience and, and my reasons or whatever. Um, yeah. I know you have a different relationship with that person, you know, and I respect that or whatever, but I also have a relationship with you that I respect and, you know, and I want to keep that and people will maybe continue to push your boundaries though that's one of the hard things because uh, yeah I don't know how your family was but my family is uh all up in everybody's business so yeah yeah that's another one where I had the ignoring mom so it was like good because she wasn't the one that came after me you know um mm-hmm. calling she doesn't do that but on the other hand it's like wow but that was my whole childhood to be ignored, you yeah. know, so it didn't it just reinforce that for you too. It, yeah. Yeah. It re- really reinforced like, wow, you know, that, you know, that, um, so, so, you know, the, the, the thing with that, I guess is like, 
I, I don't have the hoovering parents that are just, you know, it's like some, some people have to get restraining orders and, and go, yeah. you know, really try to these get them to back off. But then you have the ignoring that they just disappear. Mm -hmm. They just disappear. Yeah. And, and either and, situation is hard. I mean, because it yeah. all, you know, triggers, I mean, whatever that core wound is, right? And if your core wound is abandonment and you choose yeah. to, you know, walk away and yeah. your, your mom doesn't care, then I'm like, that's going to light that up big time. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. The importance, I think I understood though, with no contact, um, the importance of, uh, like I said, with my mom at some point, I kind of, she had shown back up or tried to resurface a few times, but it wasn't steady until finally I just taking the calls and just completely. With my dad, it was more of like a, an abrupt, cut off mm. never and and I knew and I cut out can you hear me oops I think the connection are you there yeah There we go. There we go. And we're back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The level of exposure for him and, mm -hmm. and there was no going back mm -hmm. the truth because the truth was very Okay. And yeah. um and you know, and so that was a that was a hard one. That uh, relationship with this person for the rest of your life. You know that. And so yeah. Wow. Oh God. Yeah. And were yeah. we frozen again? Oh, it's freezing a little bit. Yeah. No, why? I can cut this part out. Uh, okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah, you look a little grainy on your end. Okay. There we go. Can you that hear me? Better. Okay. Yeah. There. There. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So with your dad, is so just, did he was he you know like trying to you know get in your life or did he just kind of you know go away? You know, it was Silently. a little bit of. A little bit of both um he didn't mm -hmm. go you know he tried for a while and he he did the smear campaign called everybody yeah. up tried to get sympathy tried to get to me mm -hmm. through that avenue uh, mm -hmm. and then i think you know i i think i mean i kind of cut off any access to me he lives across the country as well um mm -hmm. you know there was a fear component though because he was mm -hmm an extremely violent and abusive person. Um, and you know, um, and so that was part of our final interaction was that, you know, I was 29 years old and I had had a C-section a week and a half before, and he tried to come at me and, uh, it was just this, this like, no, 
your dad, like <laughs> 29 years of everything came out at one time and it was, it was done or whatever. Um, every once in a while it's random because I've blocked mm-hmm. this number, you know, um, done all the things, but then I'll get a new platform of social media or something, um, like telegram. I don't know if you know what that is. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody, it, he'll pop up on there and try to say something mm-hmm. and then I have to block him from that too or whatever so but the the classic thing in my family would be all that stuff happening the smear campaign the violence the and and i guarantee you though Mm -hmm. if i were to call him up and be whatever he for a while he'd just try to act like nothing ever happened yeah and and it's like i haven't talked to you for over a decade dude (laughs) like and you know you don't and, and then but then slowly but surely it would it would come back and it would come back yeah um, you know mentally and verbally and emotionally abusive to a 40 year old woman and and so there would be retaliation for sure and just you know but that's kind of what what codependency does that passive aggressive it's and then it would be yeah yeah wow yeah and that's the weird thing too is that across the board it's like um you know go away and then or whatever and then reappear like nothing ever happened right if we experience that in childhood which i did too it's it's like you know very confusing and there's no stability or safety in that you know like this confusion this unsettling and i always remember i had that as a kid even though i knew you know like we said i knew something was off but there was nobody else there to validate you know so it was just like but this also this this extreme unsettling, right? Which right? creates you know anxious attachment. Right? Yeah, <laughs> having that inconsistency of you know especially during formative years, but even later of you know let me and that's the batterer cycle as well too, right? I mean all of yeah. these cycles and addiction yeah. cycles like things are really yeah. good and I, I love you and I'm meeting your needs and and then the extreme is so opposite and awful and then. Yeah. just kidding you know and then we're constantly the intermittent reinforcement you know as kids That's we grow right. up learning to wait for that and you know and so mm-hmm. to know i mean i feel like when you do no contact you take yourself out of that cycle entirely yeah. like you know you don't get the positive but you also don't have the negative anymore and um so as much as you know you grieve yeah. and feel guilty there's also just this huge sense of relief. I feel like, yes. especially once you cross over, like, yes, that's yeah. just done. That's gone. Yeah, that's right. So, so, and then kind of, you know, holding space for all of that, right? So this sense mm-hmm. of relief and maybe the guilt or what, you know, because th- there's there's just so much going on when you first break out of that. And like you said, in any relationship, the partnership, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, breaking up with your parents is, is not much different than breaking up with a partner, right? And that same, right? Yeah, that the same dynamics. Yeah, and we, yeah. yeah, and I think you know, I've found that those of us that grow up like in those circumstances tend to, you know, until you can get it worked out, repeat those patterns in romantic yeah. relationships, and then you do no contact in those situations as well, and which been there, done that, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and I never connected it. I never connected that until mm-hmm. 
Yeah, really, you know, took me a and, and a lot of people don't connect um, that type, you know, they just think, oh, I, you know, I don't I keep choosing these people or whatever, but um, almost always, you know, related to childhood wounds. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Attachment. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm a big student of attachment theory, and I um, just really dug into that, uh, both professionally and personally, and um, it's all connected. It's just it's how we learn to relationship. Yeah, yeah, because trauma is relational, right? Yeah, so true. Awesome. All right. Well, I think we will wrap things up. Um, yeah, and, and we'll stop here and wow, I am just so grateful for this conversation and really appreciate you taking time out of your day to meet with me. Um, thank you so very much for being here, everyone. Again, Christy, Trauma Queen Christy on Instagram. Go follow her if you don't already. And um, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thank and you. I love seeing your posts and um, yeah, hopefully we can collaborate more in the future. Absolutely.